This is Oklahoma football. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of the Mainline Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Burton. Proud to be joined by my co-host, Adam Jacquez, Corbin Polson, on this chilly Thursday night. Adam Corbin, how's it going, guys? How's your week been? Pretty good. I'm excited for what we have tonight. We got a lot of good stuff, and uh, I think we'll get in some good arguments before the night's over. Yeah, doing well. We uh, ironically got about 8 to 10 inches of snow here in Denver last night, so uh, the cold weather has finally made its way back to where it's supposed to. So all things are good. Yeah, it was about negative 15 this time last week here in Norman. It was 70 degrees two days ago, and now it is cold and rainy uh, here in Norman. So Oklahoma weather is in full effect but within the last week. We're getting a little bit of everything, but uh, we've got a ton of great stuff to dive into tonight, uh, highlighted by our interview with OU Athletics and Sooner Sports TV's on-air personality, Jessica Cootie. This was an awesome interview. Jessica was fantastic, and uh, Adam, I'm eager to get your thoughts on this one because I think Jessica gave us some really good insight into what goes on behind the scenes and also how much work is put into all the amazing content that she and people like Chris Plank, Chad McKee, and Toby Rowland uh, consistently put out for OU Athletics. But before we dive into our interview with Jessica, we need to kind of give our biggest takeaways of the week. Um, it's been a, a pretty crazy news cycle this week uh, in the world of sports. So, Adam, just kind of start us off with what kind of caught your eye this week uh, in, in the sports world. Yeah, for me, it was OU baseball getting everything started. They had such a wacky week with all the winter weather and different things going on, but they were able to uh, schedule a series against Omaha that that uh, started on Sunday. And uh, so far, a kind of an uneven start, two and two record. They have the day off today, and then uh, this weekend they go into some pretty big matchups with Auburn, Texas A&M, and then a non-conference game against uh, Baylor. So. Uh, just interested to see what this team can do. They looked so promising last year before their season got cut short. And then they lost quite a few of the good players off that team. So I'm excited to see where they can go if this start is, is you know, as they kind of settle in and get into their rotations on the mound. Uh, I'm really pumped for what this team can do going forward. I think I was even more mad last year when OU baseball season got canceled, probably more so than the softball pro- than the softball season getting cut short. Just because Skip Johnson, that was kind of the, you know, 2020 was the year that was kind of being circled, had an amazing pitching staff, probably one of the best in college baseball across America last year. And, you know, losing a couple of those arms to the major leagues, a few key guys out of the lineup. Uh, if there's one thing that we know about Skip Johnson, he's a fantastic recruiter. He's bringing a lot of really good talent into Norman. Um, so I think that this is kind of a perfect weekend to kind of kick off uh, and, and see what OU baseball is going to be able to do against some of the elite competition uh, that we're so accustomed to seeing. Uh, in college baseball, especially in the SEC. So, Corbin, what kind of what kind of caught your eye uh, in the world of sports this week? Yeah, no surprise to anybody. We are heading into March, which means one thing, and that's all college basketball focus. And let's be honest, guys, for the whole year so far, all we've been told, all we've seen is the Blue Bloods are dead. Kentucky, Kansas, Duke not making the tournament. None of them ranked for the first time in who knows how long. I don't have that number off the top of my head. Blue Bloods are back, guys. Kansas and Duke especially. So here's the deal. So I was looking at Kansas. They've won five of their last uh, six games, lost in overtime to Texas this past week. They've got Baylor on Saturday at home, and they end the year, strangely, with UTEP on, at home on March 4th. 
let's say they split that and Baylor ends up beating them in the fog. I actually don't think that's going to happen. Give me KU in that one. But they're going to be heading, you know, six and two, heading into Big 12 conference play. Probably the number two seed in the Big 12, if I had to guess. Um, talented team heading into March, guys. And I look at Duke, won, four, won their last four games in the year with Louisville, Georgia Tech, UNC, all very winnable games. They win those. They're at 14 and eight heading into conference play. That with their brand, that's a tournament team. Those are two really, really, really talented teams. Um, look out for them in March, guys. It's kind of crazy to think that with Duke, they they had a five-star kid, one of the probably their best player on the team. He chooses to opt out, and Duke has looked like a completely different basketball team ever since. And you know they really kind of picked things back up. Coach K has got them going in the right direction. Um, so watch out for for the Dukies heading into March. Um, in Kansas, you know, we, we kind of thought going, uh, probably about two to three weeks ago, what's wrong with Kansas. Somebody's finally going to jump up and run away with the big 12 conference. And it definitely seems like Baylor's going to do that, but Kansas is kind of getting right back into form, uh, uh, coming into the big 12, uh, tournament coming up here in just a week or so, which is, uh, great news for Jayhawk fans and terrible news for other big 12 basketball schools. So, uh, I I think that that's going to be something really fun to keep an eye on March madness, one of the best times of the year in sports, if not the best. Uh, but for me, a couple things kind of caught my eye. And first and foremost, starting out was was the Tiger Woods story that broke two days ago. Uh, you know, come to find out, uh, got, got in a car wreck, rolled his car uh, at 7 a.m. California time um, up there close to Los Angeles. That was kind of a uh, kind of a similar moment to, you know, when everything kind of happened with Kobe, when all that news kind of broke. It was kind of a stop and, you know, try to figure out what's going on. I was actually I was at work at the time. I was out of the I was out of the truck truck away from my phone on a sales call get back in turn it on the sports animal and mark rogers is talking about this you know this celebrity or athlete that you know has gotten into this serious car wreck you know put police the jaws of life are on the scene having to remove him from the car and you know immediately get onto twitter refresh refresh what's going on and you see somebody as famous and you know such a celebrity golfer as tiger woods a guy that's you know been you know not just you know had a huge impact on the game of golf, but a huge impact on, you know, sports in, in its entirety. So, um, you know, just constantly refreshing Twitter, hoping to see that he's okay. And honestly, maybe kind of expecting what's, you know, is, is he alive and what, what's the news that's going to come out. Then we see the pictures of his car. Um, so we definitely want to send our thoughts and prayers out to him and his family, you know, forget golf at this point right now, let's get tiger back upright. You know, he's got, you know, multiple fractures, a shattered ankle on his, on his left leg. So getting him back to being healthy, he can be a dad, raise his kids, forget golf at this point. That's, you know, that's on the back burner. And number two for me guys, and we kind of talked about this week, whether or not we wanted to dive into it, you know, this is, this has been talked to talked about enough. So I'm not going to dive too much into it with, you know, Spencer Jones and that video that's been trending ever since last Saturday, um, and the only thing I want to say to our listeners about this situation is, you know, one, if you're in a bar where it's pretty, a pretty safe bet that alcohol is involved, do whatever you can to avoid getting yourself into a situation like that. It's not good for anybody. The days of getting into a, a fist fight, I think, are pretty much over and done with. You know, back in the day, you'd get into it with somebody, the loser's walking away with a black eye, maybe. That's all people knew how to do, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago was throw a punch. Nowadays, you don't know what this guy or girl is capable of standing across from you with all this MMA shit and all this stuff going on where people are trained to, you know, choke you out, kick you in the head, or in, in the case what happened at Logie's, you know, getting taken down and, and beaten up pretty bad. So, 
you know, if, if you're some average Joe and you find yourself arguing or talking shit to somebody that has cauliflower ear, especially swallow your pride, get out of there because one of the worst things you could do is screw around with a wrestler. So that's all I want to say regarding that. If you guys want to jump in uh, and talk about the Logie's bathroom scene, please, by all means do. Um, but for God's sakes, if he's got cauliflower ear, get the hell out of there. Here's the deal. I know the, the eye situation was serious. I think he actually had to have pretty extensive surgery to make sure he still had an eye. I'd be more concerned about what he's picked up from the Logie's bathroom floor, if we're going to be honest. Um, Logie's wasn't my first choice at any time in college, but I've been in there enough just to like, if you need to go to the bathroom, you might as well like go somewhere else and just take ultra precautions. So uh, long-term, we'll see how that, that plays into account for this whole situation. <laughs> I, I think I can, I think I can still smell what that bathroom looks like. Having been, been into it so many times in college. And honestly, for me, one of the most entertaining parts of the video was not the fight itself. It was all the stuff that was going around the guy washing his hands or the two guys at the urinals peeing when all this, you know, we've got a mass brawl breaking out right behind him. And none of those guys looked like it phased him one bit. So uh, but, but yeah, that's Adam, you got anything you want to interject into that as you're kind of smirking and shaking your head? <laughs> yeah, I, I love the guys that were just calmly stepping over the fighting uh, after they were uh, done using the urinal. That was great. But um, I've always been a big fan of, of Spencer Jones as a former Liberty Flame and just an overall like cool walk on type guy that you love to root for. But uh, no more. Uh, I mean, he tried to act all cool in there and uh, I I. I do disassociate myself with uh, with my boy Spencer Jones, at least for the time being. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out because obviously something happened prior to that video starting to be recorded because one of the the quote unquote wrestler, the Ben Askren uh, guy, you know, he he had the bloody nose, he had blood coming out of his mouth. So I don't know if we'll ever know what truly happened to kind of you know cause that um, you know event to ultimately take place, but. Like I said, you know, if try to avoid that situation at all costs, alcohol's involved. Try to defuse the situation. If he's caught, if he's got cauliflower ear, stay the hell away from it, uh, or else you will find yourself in a similar situation um, as, as Spencer and his buddy did. So, uh, but guys, let's kind of transition into uh, some OU men's basketball discussion. Um, obviously, OU the number seven ranked team in the country right now. Honestly, something that I didn't see coming uh, prior to the start of the year. I think this team was predicted to finish sixth. Uh, in the Big 12 conference standings, and now they find themselves uh, ranked number seven, coming off of a loss, um, kind of a shocking loss, or I don't know if unforget like you know a unforgivable loss. I think that they're still going to be fine in terms of you know uh, March Madness bracket type seating, but kind of guys, you know what's what's been some of the main takeaways from this Long Kruger coach basketball team that finds himself in the top ten uh, heading into March? It's kind of crazy that they're this good, but yet we almost expect these types of losses from OU basketball. Um, and it's also crazy how rough it's been for the Sooners on the road, especially ever since, well, even sometimes when Buddy Heald was still around, because this losing streak that uh, is going on for OU in Manhattan is stretching back, I think, eight years now or nine years. Uh, so that was well within Buddy's uh, reign here in Norman. So it's interesting that I guess it's a tough conference and all, but K-State has had very much an up and down program. It's amazing that we haven't been able to take one uh, up in Manhattan. One in nine. Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> Listen, there's there's always going to be a curse with Kruger's jersey hanging in the rafters in Manhattan. 
I mean, like it's anybody that loves sports in any way, shape or form just knows like those things aren't going to go well together ever. I don't mind. I don't mind a losing streak in Manhattan. I I mind the loss this week. Um, So I'll be honest, guys, like, you know, I, I worked with men's basketball for a while. I've been to Manhattan two times, three times, obviously we lost. Um, that is one of the louder venues, regardless of how good they were. That place is built to be loud. It's a really tough place to play. The students are crazy um, there. I'm not going to put it necessarily up in the the Fog Allen or necessarily like Hilton Coliseum category, but it's close, guys. It's a loud place to play, a tough place to play. Winning on the road in the Big 12 is really, really hard. Um, the reason Kansas has been able to win so many Big 12 titles over the past 20 years is because they found a way to win on the road and they don't lose at home. Um, so I don't mind the, the past losses. I don't mind Kruger's overall record in Manhattan. But this was a really bad K-State team. Um, and outside of Austin Reeves, it's hard to find a bright spot in that game. Um, you know, you can make the argument there that the foul should have been called on the three. You know, when Reeves goes up to, you know, at that, that last second shot, um, but it shouldn't have come to that. So tough loss, but I'd rather have it now and turn our focus to the pokes and, and the Longhorns down the stretch. It's amazing what a difference a day makes going into that game. OU was, you know, firmly planted and, you know, ranked number two in the Big 12 standings. You lose a game like that. And obviously with Kansas playing so well and West Virginia being consistent all year round, you know, OU's finding themselves in the fourth seed uh, with a record of nine and five in the conference with three big time matchups coming up against the teams, you know, ranked right there at five and six right behind them. I I think one thing that should give OU fans some confidence is OU's 10 and one this season at the Lloyd Noble Center. Now you've got a chance to close out two out of your last three games uh, at home. Oklahoma State, of course, on Saturday, uh, traveling uh, down to Stillwater on Monday for a back-to-back against the Pokes and then closing out the regular season next Thursday uh, against Texas. So um, obviously OU's got a chance here to, to finish strong you know, kind of put their, you know, put their seal on what's been a pretty, pretty damn good regular season of basketball. But also if OU messes around and say they lose two out of these next three games, then you've got a chance to where, you know, you're maybe sliding down into that six or seven seed um, where, you know, like we said, just two days ago, they, they were sitting pretty at number two in the conference. So it's kind of crazy to think about the fact that OU is the seventh ranked team in the country and they're number four ranked in the Big 12 right now. So that just kind of goes to show how good of a uh, how good of a conference the Big 12 has been this year uh, as far as basketball goes. So, Corbin, to kind of throw this back to you, like we mentioned, three more games to close out the regular season, back-to-back against Oklahoma State and then against our tribal Texas. What, what do you want to see in these, th- in these final three regular season games? Something that can give this team some more momentum, kind of get them back on track as we go into tournament play? Uh, I mean, the – be pretty blunt about it. I'd like to see two and one um, perfect case scenario. You, you win all three guys, to be honest, I, I kind of like the pokes. Um, I think they're, they're gritty. They have been in the majority of games, even the ones they've lost, they, they fight hard. I think coach Boyton up there in Stillwater is doing a phenomenal job. So I think best case scenario, you're probably splitting bedlam one and one. And that leaves, you know, a Texas team coming to town that probably has revenge on their mind after the Sooners won down in Austin. Texas was shorthanded with some COVID protocol stuff during that game. Um, So that leaves, you know, kind of a, I think, a a swing game, you know, against the Longhorns to end the year. Uh, It's crazy, guys. And Tyler, you hit on it like we could be in that seventh spot and have to play in when a week and a half ago, you know, when that time comes, we were at number seven in the country right now. I think before this week's game, Texas Tech was in the seventh spot. Number 17 team in the country 
would be a play-in game in this conference uh, for the, the conference tournament. So uh, anything can happen, you know, in these final three games. Guys, it wouldn't shock me if they go 0-3. It wouldn't shock me if they go 3-0. and I'm not sure what to expect after, uh, let's be honest, a pretty defeating loss in Manhattan earlier. Yeah, I look at that record of 2-1 and one over the next three games, and I think that's very realistic and what the team needs to accomplish and then have at least one or two wins in the Big 12 tournament. I think the loss to Kansas State really took out any hopes of OU moving up into a two seed in, in the March Madness. So they're probably a three or a four right now. If it was me, I'd rather be a six seed than a four seed, <laughs> just because I, I like the path to an elite eight or final four from the six seed standpoint than I do for a four seed, uh, having to play a number one there in the Sweet 16. But uh, there's still a lot of games ahead of this team to really make their case. Yeah, I mean, the, this basketball team, I, I think that they have to find a way to go 2-1 and one, um, over the course of these next three games. That way it kind of guarantees you lock up that four seed, guarantees you a first-round buy in the Big 12 tournament. And honestly, we're gonna we're getting back-to-back games against uh, against Oklahoma State, which means back-to-back opportunities for us to watch Elijah Elijah Harkless guard Kate Cunningham. Kate Cunningham, obviously projected NBA lottery top five pick. I think that that's going to be a fantastic matchup. It'll be interesting to see uh, what Kruger and the, and the coaching staff does as far as making adjustments. How they decide that they want to guard him. Do they you know throw Harkless out there at him at all times? Do they rotate bodies? Try to give him some different looks. Uh, that's going to be a fun you know kind of chess match to watch back and forth uh, between Long Kruger and Mike Boynton. And then, honestly, the thing that I want to see over the course of these last three games, which I think is imperative as we head into tournament play, somebody else step up besides Austin Reeves. We, we've kind of, when Austin Reeves was out, you know, I, I think that it kind of provided some opportunities for some other guys like Elijah Harkless um, to, to, or Jalen Hill to, you know, kind of get some confidence, make some baskets. Um, but at this point right now, th- there's got to be some more productivity from the other four guys on the floor, especially on the offensive end. Um, Brady Manick, this is his fourth year in Norman. It's time for him to step up. I know he had COVID a little bit earlier in the year. It's obviously uh, difficult. You know, it's different for everybody, but this is your time. You're one of the leaders and the veterans on this basketball team. It's time to show up um, and help out Austin Reeves, particularly on the offensive end. Uh, of the basketball court and you know kind of one of the things that's been talked about over the course of the last week here especially on sports talk radio here in norman uh people have been debating what the floor and the ceiling is for this team going into march and and, uh, and march madness and tournament play so corbin starting with you in terms of the floor and ceiling what what does it look like for this uh for this basketball team here in norman yeah i mean anybody who knows anything about NCAA tournament, it's it's all about matchups. Um, it doesn't matter how talented you are or how untalented you are. It's about who you get pinned up against throughout the few weeks that you know we love here. And one of my favorite times in sports in general is, is the NCAA tournament. So you find the right matchups. I think this probably has a ceiling of an Elite Eight team. I'm not, I don't think they're a Final Four team. I don't think they have the offensive power to be a Final Four team. I don't think they've got the inside presence to be a Final Four team. But you hit the right matchups along the way. I think Elite Eight is possible. Um, I think the ceiling for me is probably first weekend, second game knockout. I think that's probably I think I think they're they're gonna win at least one game in the NCAA tournament. I think you start getting into that round of thirty-two and you run into a team who can do one of two things. One, put up a lot of points, that's gonna be trouble. Two, if they really slow the game down and focus on an inside presence and that's who that that's the identity of that team is really focused on inside out. That can be a problem because this team is very, very guard driven. Um, I, I like Brady. I like Kerr on the inside, 
but they're not going to be able to put things together that really stop a powerful inside presence team. So those are the two concerns I have. That's kind of where I've got them. It's either, I think, first weekend, you're heading home on what what is it now, Sunday or Monday, or um, or you could potentially end up, you know, in that elite eight, have a chance for a final four. And guys, when you get when you start getting into rounds two, three, four, anything can happen. Um, and so you just kind of got to get through that opening weekend and then things start to play out just however they're going to play out. I, I agree with what you're saying there, Corbin, as far as the floor and the ceiling. And uh, I think it's been a little frustrating uh, for me as an OU basketball fan. We really haven't had much of that inside presence ever since Ryan Spangler was in town. And I feel like ever since then, pretty much every guy has been just, you know, rail thin, <laughs> even though uh, they might be, you know, height wise similar to what we're going matching up against. But um, we do get pushed around a little bit on the inside and, and Manic, um, you know, he's been around forever. He kind of is what he is at this point. I'm not going to expect a ton out of him, even though he is top 20 all time leading scorer in OU history currently. So I'm looking elsewhere for someone else to step up. Um, you know, I think Austin Reeves could certainly take this team a couple different rounds, but if he can get some help from, you know, a Gibson or a, a Davian Harmon, one of those guys step up and just, you know, go on fire for a game here or there that can really extend the run of a team like this. I think with as, as well as Austin Reeves has been playing Corbin, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's all about matchups and how, you know, stylistically, how, how do you line up against the other team across from you? So I think that, as good as this team plays defense um, and as good as Austin Reeves is, if, if he's on, I think he can absolutely lead this team to a, to a sweet sweet 16 appearance. Anything further than that, that's when you're going to have to start having some more help on the offensive side. Uh, you're going to have to have some guys make shots, hit open threes. Um, but honestly, you know, it, it could be definitely – I could definitely see something, you know, happening like a first-round exit. You know, if, if, you, if OU runs into a team that's got, you know, a big – uh, you know, uh, a big time center that, that can score the basketball down inside and a team that plays good defense. Also, I haven't really seen, oh, you have an answer for anybody. That, uh, although there's really not anybody in the big 12 right now that, you know, is a true t- center. But once you start playing some of the other teams around, uh, around the country, um, OU is going to play good defense, but are they going to find themselves in a situation where they have to compete against a guy uh, that, that can go get 18 to 22 points, maybe 10 or 15 rebounds inside, um, but, but again, who's going to step up, uh, and, and kind of be that, you know, the, the Robin to, to Austin Reeves as Batman, uh, going into the NCAA tournament. So I think, I think sweet 16 is kind of where I see this team's, uh, ceiling, how far that they can go. But uh, again, we'll just kind of see what happens because like you said, Corbin, March Madness, it's one of the most unpredictable, um, you know, things in, in all of sports. There's a reason why you see those, those, you know, seeds 12, 13, 14, uh, and even a 16 seed a couple years ago get the upset. So that that's going to be fun to watch. So, guys, anything else uh, on, on OU men's basketball before we kind of dive into this interview with Jessica? Let me ask you guys, just out of curiosity, thinking forward, I know we'll get into this a little bit next week, but with with all the craziness this year in college basketball, it, it almost feels like college football a little bit in the sense where there's like four teams, five teams that you really think have a shot at winning this. I mean, I just watched, you know, Michigan and Iowa play number three versus number nine and Michigan won by 27 or 22 points. I I just, I wonder outside of those top three or four teams, is is this the year in a craziest year of them all that there's not that much craziness in the tournament? I would say potentially, but also look at who those top teams are right now. They're not the usual suspects, except for maybe a a Gonzaga. Yeah. 
uh, so there's not nearly as much experience, whether it's on the player side or the coaching side that have actually won those big games when it counts. So we'll see what happens when we actually get there. Yep. And it almost seems like when something, it, it appears to be so predictable, like you, you would think that of course it's going to come down to two or three teams. It's going to be a Gonzaga or a Baylor or a Michigan. Somebody's going to run away with it. More oftentimes than not, that's when you kind of see whether it's a Cinderella story or you see maybe a six or a seven seed, you know, make a run to the final four. And once you get to the final four, all bets are off. Anybody's got a shot at it. But um, I, I tweeted it out, you know, probably three weeks ago. Give me Gonzaga versus Baylor best out of three, um, because I think that those are kind of head and shoulders, the best two teams talent wise. Um, Gonzaga is definitely going to be one to keep an eye on because they're beating everybody's ass by 25 points throughout the regular season. How's it going to go when they get tested? Um, and the pressure, you know, the pressure, you know, ramps up when, you know, it's a five point game with two minutes left. So, uh, but, but again, that's the, that's the best part about March Madness. And that's why uh, each one of us, we fill out 10 different brackets uh, and submit them every single year. So, uh, but let's, let's transition into our interview um, with, with OU Athletics and Sooner Sports TV's on-air personality, Jessica Cootie. It was a fantastic interview. Excited for, for you guys to listen. She's our first female uh, interview, first female guest. Um, and so here we go, Jessica Cootie. All right, we want to welcome on a person who really doesn't need any introduction. If you follow OU Sports in any way, you should recognize her and all she does for OU Athletics. She's a host, a feature reporter, a sideline reporter with her role with Soonersports.tv. She hosts anything from Sooner Playbook, Sooner Sports Spotlight, and OU Football and Basketball Preseason Reports, just to name a few. She also is a freelance reporter with Fox Sports. We're excited to have her on. Jessica Cootie, welcome to the Mainline Podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to join you guys. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. And I knew you did a lot with OU Athletics, but I'll be honest, is there anything you don't cover nowadays in Norman? <laughs> Man, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I don't know which uh, bio you're reading, but it's kind of uh, changed a lot from the bio that's on the website. Someone needs to update that. I'm not in charge of that. I need to get on somebody. But yeah, um, you know, when I was hired, when the network first kind of was launched back in 2012, it was kind of more of a feature reporter and then, of course, the sideline reporting, but the the web reporting. And then it's kind of grown. I started hosting shows and um, doing a lot more of that and then wanted to get into play-by-play. So that's kind of been the most recent addition. But, you know, the main thing that I kind of started doing that's kind of Still my biggest passion, I would say that the play-by-play is kind of getting up there a little bit, is, is doing the feature storytelling and kind of telling the um, stories beyond the um, what you see on the field or the court and uh, of these student-athletes, kind of letting fans and viewers get to know them a little bit more than just what they are as an athlete. So yeah, I kind of uh, do it all. And that's what I love the most about this job is that I do get to do a lot of not pigeonholed into one duty. Yep. Well, you're a pro because you're leading us perfectly into the next segue. Uh, so you've done this a time or two. But, you know, not only tonight, you're making history with us being our first female guest on the pod, which love is super it, exciting. Um, but also, I think, what, four or five weeks ago now, you were the first female play-by-play uh, announcer for OU Men's Basketball. Exciting time. I know you probably got asked this a million times, but tell us a little bit, what does it mean to you just to kind of break through? I'm sure it was an exciting night for you. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I grew up in the gym, grew up playing basketball, played it my whole life. My dad was a coach, um, you know, just grew up with it. And that's a big part of why I'm even doing this in the first place. Um, you know, my dad 
was a coach, but he was a teacher as well. He's a high school coach and my mom's a teacher. And I'm like, heck no, I'm not teaching. I thought, you know, back then it was like, you had to teach to coach. Right. And I'm like, I'm not being a teacher. What can I do to kind of stay involved in sports? And so I got to be honest, my high school did not have football. We played uh, fall baseball and spring baseball. And then, you know, of course, softball and, uh, but basketball was the big thing. It was a big ticket item in, in Chattanooga, America. So uh, Chattanooga, Oklahoma, by the way, graduated <laughs> with 18 people go warriors. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I didn't know a lot. I mean, I watched Oklahoma football growing up, but let's face it, like my number one was basketball. So um, that's why I was in this and uh, and big reason why I'm doing this job and um, wanted to stay close to the sport. And so, yeah, once I kind of got my foot in the door doing women's basketball, play by play, fell absolutely fell in love with it. And um so when the opportunity kind of arose because of COVID and all the kind of craziness with the football scheduling and making sure that, you know, with Toby probably being on the road with football and, and we had all of our bases covered here and they asked me to do it. And I was like, heck yeah, that'd be awesome. And it's so funny. I mean, I'm so glad and it's amazing that it is that I was the first and that it was a big deal and it was, you know, a barrier breaker, but it's, you know, it's one thing, basketball's basketball, you know, I mean, you look at, there's, there's women's basketball players and, and, you know, the, the WNBA and there are players that, you know, as Kobe Bryant put that, you know, there are definitely players in the WNBA, WNBA that could be playing in the NBA. So um, to me, it's, it's not like I went from calling, you know, uh, volleyball to football, you know, it's basketball to me translates and transcends genders and, um, you know, across the world, it's, it's a, a world known sport. So, um, it was just for me personally getting to call another basketball game, which I was super excited about still trying to get, you know, really rolling in this, in this duty. So, um, it, I was excited about the opportunity to get to call another game, but then when it kind of, you know, Ben Cole to jelly actually texted me and said, Hey, we've been doing some research and we think you're the only woman to broadcast an OU men's game wow. besides Doris Burke. And Doris Burke was the analyst, so you're the first ever play-by-play. Yeah, that's kind of when it maybe sunk in a little bit that, that, wow, this is a big deal. But I hope it kind of becomes the norm that, you know, it's not a big deal that women are the voice calling men's basketball games. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and that's, uh, you know, a great, again, segue into a follow-up question because I know in Norman, in OU Athletics and beyond, you're you're a huge voice in women in sports, and there's no denying that whatsoever. And I know the selfless nature that I've gotten to meet over the years knowing you. Talk to me a little bit about beyond just it becoming normal. What do you what do you hope a moment like this could do? And and let's just keep it Norman for now. What do you hope that can do for maybe up and comers, little girls who just happen to be watching a men's basketball game, having no clue that they were going to hear a female play by play? What what do you think? and hope that that kind of accomplished here in the near and, you know, of course, long-term future. Yeah. I mean, and I, I definitely want to be an inspiration. I mean, I looked up to so many people that kind of inspired me along the way. And then you just kind of keep breaking down those doors. But I think even just for me personally, I'm still not, not on any fault of anybody that I'm not getting opportunities, but just because I'm new to it, like, you know, we still, aren't even, I guess I'm not even like equal, I guess not equal. That's the wrong word, but you know, still trying to get up to where 
I'm considered a professional at this as well, because let's face it, I'm not yet. I'm still very, very, very green. So I think just maybe being a norm that there is a woman's voice calling play by play across all sports, mm. not just women's sports. And I mean, you, you look, we got Chad, McKee, we have a loaded roster of talent at, at OU, the best in the country, Chris Plank calling softball and, you know, Chad McKee and, and Toby Rowland, the best play by play of, anybody in America, in my opinion, I might be a little bit biased, but just a loaded roster that, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to get on their level. You know what I mean? So that's kind of for me personally, just, you know, so that it is a norm and that, cause for me, I never saw women do play by play there. They're there. And there's still not a lot really. I mean, if you look at it and it, it, and it's still a big deal when women are doing play by play. So I guess just maybe for me, but then also for, for people coming up that it's normal that it is just regular to have women calling games, doing play-by-play, not just being on the sideline, not just being an analyst, but getting to be in all phases of broadcasting. So yeah. I think that's probably for me, my goal is just that it that it continues to be a norm to hear women's voices. So what do you, Absolutely. Need, what do you need to tell Toby you're coming for his job? That's what, what I'm calling. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jessica, the, the first question that, that I have for you, everybody sees the finished product. You know, when they turn on the video, they watch you in front of the camera doing a segment. But talk, talk us through a day in the life of your preparation to cover an event, whether it's something on a massive scale like a football game day or interviewing a student athlete who's maybe coming off a big weekend or, you know, set a new record, had a big time individual performance. So for those that may not be familiar with what goes on behind the scenes of a person in OU media, what should they know about the work you do off screen leading into certain games and uh, interviews with certain athletes and coaches? I, I think it varies. It's a good question because it's just different with every role that I do. So um, for my features that, I do, and I've produced anywhere between, you know, 50 and 60 features a year and um, that go across a lot of our platforms. Like, for example, in our game day show that airs every Saturday leading up to game uh, to kickoff, um, I do usually about a five to six minute feature on one of the football student athletes or coach. And um, I do the interviews for those, but then I also do all the editing. So um, I kind of call myself, I guess, a feature producer. So I've got to go through all the footage. We've got guys that, you know, shoot that are phenomenal photographers that, you know, and videographers that shoot every week. So I've got to go through all the footage, find the clips that I want, write it, figure out how I want to tell the story um, and then put it all together. So I edit it from start to finish. And that that's like the biggest chunk of time that I think of anything that I do is is producing and editing the features that you see and, um, you know, again, writing and going through and, and just figuring out how I want to tell the story and then covering all of that. So, you know, that might be something I might shoot the interviews on Monday or Tuesday. And then um, usually it's an all day thing and sometimes multiple days. Usually Wednesday is my edit day, I like to call it. And, and it might take me eight hours to produce a feature from start to finish, sometimes more than that depending on, um, you know, what all it takes as far as shooting and, and whatnot. So that's by far the longest and the biggest chunk. Um, when I'm doing play-by-play, that is kind of ongoing for me right now because, again, I'm still getting my feet wet with this. So I'm currently I'm, I'm getting to call the last three women's basketball games that got rescheduled. So I've been watching the three opponents that were playing. I know this women's basketball team, like the back of my hand, I've been covering this program for 
nine seasons now. I grew up an OU basketball fan. And so I really, I know the players, I know the teams, I cover them. I'm embedded with them week in and week out. So for me, it's kind of getting to know the opponent and who we're playing that week. So I've been watching the teams that were playing Texas tech, TCU, Kansas state. Um, they both played on Saturday, um, after well because since OU women played on Sunday so I got to watch both of those games and so yeah just kind of familiarizing myself with the opponents is kind of the big thing I, I do a spotter board um so you've seen I'm sure if you follow Toby oh yeah he makes a big deal out of his spotter boards mine don't look like that but um <laughs> definitely you know you spend some time putting together your, your spotter boards and and the stats and and what you, kind of the talking points that you want to bring up and on each team and then uh, when I'm hosting a show, depending on what show it is, um, it kind of depends on the work. So a lot of, again, a lot of what I've done throughout the week kind of prepares me for these shows where I don't have to do a lot of research. If it's a basketball heavy show, I'm, you know, all in on, on hoops. So I can kind of just, uh, you know, really go off of what my knowledge is. And, and that's kind of how I like to do shows is, especially when I'm doing it with like, say, Chris Plank, who is so phenomenal and he's so, you can just say talk and he fills the time, but um, you can, we can kind of roll. We have such a chemistry. We've done so many things together that, um, you know, I can kind of just go off the cuff with him a little bit. And as long as we're kind of staying on point with what the producer has lined up in the show. So, um, you know, on the sports that I don't necessarily cover as much, I'll go back and kind of watch some highlights, um, read the recaps, really dive in. But for the most part, because I do this every week, I try to stay up to date on like today I watched the baseball games. Right. So, um, you know, whatever sports in season, I try to watch their games. So I kind of know what's going on and I can be familiar with the teams and then, yeah, just maybe take some notes and, um, kind of go off that. I, I like to, um, you know, again, like I said, make it conversational depending on who is with me on, on any kind of given show, but it just kind of varies, I guess, from day to day, depending on what my role is. That's a lot. I know in a long answer, but it's, it, it's, that's again, going back to what I said in off the top, that's what I love so much about this job is that it's different every single day. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think a lot of people just turn on the TV and they see it happen. And that's about the last they think of it. So it's great to get some insight there. And, you know, all of us, and I know Adam's not with us today, but we've all spent time with, you know, you athletics in working roles. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of hard work, but it's a lot of fun. And there's, there's some perks. Let's be honest. There's some perks that come with working with OU athletics. Um, I know for me, you know, depending on my role through about the past, you know, six or seven years I was there, it was anything from the gear and the free food, being an equipment manager, poor college kid, that was the best, right? Getting, you know, into the marketing realm and just kind of being around so many different sports was really cool. But talk to us about some of the things, and I'm going to label them almost as, as guilty pleasures a little bit. Uh, things that maybe, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think of, but things that you love to get out of the role you're in. Hey, my first pair of Jordans right here. <laughs> Those are awesome. Yeah, um, I got those this year. I love them, by the way. But, um, you know, I think for me, number one, because I was in news before, and I think getting to be a part of the teams and and being able to travel with the teams um, and the the postseason basketball. March Madness is my Christmas, right? I mean, it's the best time of year. And getting to travel and be with the teams on site, go to their shoot arounds, go to their practices, kind of be embedded with, you know, the ins and outs of traveling, being involved in postseason runs like the final four with 2016 by far my all time favorite. Um, 
getting to uh, travel with the team for the bowl, bowl trips and college football playoff um, trips. So we do a lot of work when we, when we travel with the teams, especially for bowl games, because we'll do a show every single day, but then we'll provide coverage for the web. So it is a grind. And a lot of times it's been over Christmas. Like I've missed a lot of Christmases um, over the, the years, but um, getting to travel and, and be embedded with the teams and um, getting to know them on that level, but then also kind of getting to see, you know, the ins and outs of that is definitely my favorite. Well, Jessica, we know that there is no shortage uh, of big names and incredible athletes that you've gotten to cover and interview over the years. And that's kind of, that was kind of one of my favorite parts growing up an OU fan. It was all about OU football, but once I, you know, got to work in marketing and then my time in the ticket office, it was being able to see, all these amazing athletes and all these other sports on campus besides football, the Sydney Romero's uh, of the world, the Maggie Nichols, all the incredible stories that come behind uh, the, the person playing, you know, on weekends and nights. But give us two or, two or three of your favorite OU athletes that you've had a chance to cover in your time in Norman. There's there's been some pretty good pretty good athletes that have came came through uh, uh, came down Lindsay Street in the last last few years for sure. This is by far the hardest question you guys have asked me. I don't know how I'll narrow it down. Um, it's uh it's so different too because there's different levels of why certain athletes are my favorite there can be like you mentioned some of the unbelievable performances and the athletes that they are it could be the personalities and dealing with them you know and then it's also kind of getting to know them on a different level um for example i'll give you isaiah cousins right so so he's on the team with buddy healed and buddy healed is you know by far one of the most bubbly personalities you've ever met never met a stranger makes everybody feel important loved dealing with buddy for four years by far and still to this day i can you know walk up to him and he acts like you know i'm his best friend just like he does with everybody else but it's just really just such a cool kind of you know getting to know him on a different level like that but for isaiah cousins he didn't necessarily have that type of personality it was more you had he had to gain you had to gain his trust and he had to kind of let you in and it was kind of peeling back layers and so I think by the end of it the relationship that I was able to develop with Isaiah Cousins that was really special to me um Kyler Murray is by far one of my favorites I think he's another one of those where you know he followed Baker and Baker was another one of those guys that had a huge personality that was super friendly that everybody loved and you know was a big raw raw guy and Kyler doesn't have that same kind of personality but you know, to be able to develop a relationship with him where he did trust me and he did, you know, want to open up to me a little bit was really special. And gosh, he's, he'll come today and I can still chat with him like he's still here. So I think kind of Kyler Murray, by far one of my favorites, Kenneth Murray, hands down, no doubt, one of my favorites. And and just his family was so special, getting to know them and tell his story. Uh, unbelievable. Love Kenneth Murray. Um, Orlando Brown, another one of my favorites. What a great, great great dude um as far as women go by far lauren chamberlain unbelievable loved getting to work with her follow her record-breaking career the home run queen maddie manning is a player and this is another one of those different ones where she was here for six years because she had the two um injuries so really got to know her on a different level she's still she's still a great friend kind of developed into a great friend um over the years and Sydney Romero, you mentioned her, loved kind of dealing with her. And she was one, and she'll joke about this. She'll tell you about this. So I'm not, and we've talked about this, so I'm not talking bad about her behind her back. But she was awful as an interview when she first got here as a freshman. She's super shy, 
wasn't comfortable. And now I can sit down with her and she's great on camera and great interview really gives great insight. So I think kind of also that kind of development as well, kind of seeing them come along um, because I do interview them so much. That's kind of fun for me as well. And people like Whitney Ritchie, who was um, a two sport athlete, she was a tennis player. So I got to kind of, interview her and do features on her as a tennis player. And then she came over and was a basketball player. Um, and now she's one of my best friends. So that's kind of neat too. So getting to, I guess it's different levels of, of athletes, but I've got a lot of favorites. It's hard for me to d- pick just two. There's just, I'm, I won't do it. I will not do it. And I'm leaving so many people out. I'm sorry if you listen to this and I left you off the list. You know, I'll never miss the chance. I can't speak for meeting, you know, a lot of those athletes, but but Isaiah was one that I did get to know pretty well. Um, and you're spot on about him. I was I was an equipment manager. It would have been him and Buddy's sophomore and junior year because senior year I had moved on to a GA spot. But the best story about Isaiah, and a lot of people don't realize, like he was really the backbone of that team. Oh, and didn't talk yeah. didn't talk about it because everybody had, and rightfully so. Buddy's a superstar, and his personality is fit for a camera. But there was one uh, story about Isaiah in particular I will never not take the opportunity to share. Uh, he was going through a slump midway through that, that um, senior season. And I remember being told that he was sleeping in the locker room for two straight weeks because he was in the gym shooting so late every night and starting so early every morning. And it was capped off. And everybody remembers that, that trip down to Baton Rouge playing LSU for the Big 12 SEC yep. battle. Buddy goes off. He's still going to be the story. But Isaiah hit the game winner. And he hit the game winner with Buddy being a distraction. And that was really where I, he started to take off in that that back half of the year. And that was huge. And I think we all wish we didn't run into Villanova <laughs> in that, that final four run. Nobody was beating them, and that just kind of happens. But um, Isaiah needs more credit on on what he, he provided that team. Well, and Lou Hill, um, yeah. so sad, just heartbreaking news, but, you know, was from Mount Vernon where Isaiah is from. And I'll never forget their junior year when they were also, um, you know, kind of getting over that hump, starting to realize how to win games and stuff. And Lou Hill said, if you look at the games we lose, it's not because Buddy doesn't score. It's not because Buddy wasn't good. It was because Isaiah wasn't good. It's the games that... Isaiah doesn't have good games that's when that team lost I mean he was he was the glue he was the one that made the team go and again yes it's so easy to kind of get focused on Buddy and what he did but I they don't go and they don't do the things that they do without Isaiah Cousins and he does get overlooked big time but there were that coaching staff will tell you if you look at the game film on a lot of the games that they lost it was um it wasn't Buddy it was Isaiah. Yep. It was Isaiah was the one that would have been the catalyst. Yeah. And there, I mean, and shout out to Coach Gruger, him moving Isaiah to point that year and moving mm-hmm. Jordan Woodard to the two completely yep. changed that entire dynamic of the team. But I could talk I to you. I we're seeing this year with Austin Reeves, yep. you know? Yep. I mean, same look, same look, thought look process. with Reeves. I think it's kind of a similar situation. Yep. So, listen, I could talk about basketball all day long, but let's be honest. The King and Norman <laughs> is still football. There's some big expectations coming in 2021. I, I can speak as a fan. This is kind of the year that I've had circled. Year three of Alex Grinch. The defense is improving. We knew the offense was going to be young last year. I think it I think it got hurt even worse with all the COVID stuff and the lack of preparation. We saw that early on. But now, 
we're in we're in that year where I think a lot of fans have circled on the calendar. So I have a couple questions for you. One, are we valid in our expectations? Not that even if we had a terrible year last year, we'd still be looking for that national championship. But are we valid in our expectations there? And maybe early on, you know, I know some of those young guys just got to Norman. What are some names you're hearing about maybe, you, see, you know, we should be keeping an eye out for? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the, the beast of Oklahoma. You expect a national championship every year, even in down years. I mean, even last year, uh, I think people thought, okay, this is a national championship team. But, yeah, they were so young. And I just, you know, remember each week, because I, you know, interview Lincoln Riley every Friday, you know, going into game week, and I just remember him kind of talking about how young they were and just everything was new, even with Spencer Rattler, you know, as much as everyone wanted to talk about, oh, he had it figured out after the Texas game. No, it was still he had never played in a Big 12 championship game. Yeah. He is still has never played in Morgantown. You know, he's never played at Texas Tech in Lubbock. Now he has. But, you know, the, the things that it's still it was new to him every week, as much as everyone wanted to say he's settling in. Every challenge was new because he had never been in that position before where he was going on the road and needed a win, blah, 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 on and on and on. So, um I think, and, and Coach Riley was quick to point that out. I think a lot of that was because of, you know, the expectations that were kind of garnering for Spencer Rattler. But, yeah, I mean, look at so many of the key key players and key contributors, Marvin Mims, you know, just entering into year two. I think they've got some studs coming back that were figuring out how to play this college football thing. And I, I was talking to Dee Westbrook for a podcast um, early. It was, it was in October as I think before they were going to play TCU. So it was early. And, um, you know, I was talking about how much you can learn from losing one. And he talked about that. He thought losing two would be the best thing that ever happened to these young cats because they kind of come in and where a lot of times at OU, you have to earn, you know, you, you don't nor a lot of times don't play as a true freshman, right? There's a lot of guys that come in, you kind of have to wait your turn a little bit, but there were so many guys that kind of came in and where you're in high school, a lot of times the best athletes win no matter what, you know, but in college, it's a whole different ball game. And so you're having to figure out how to win and keep the pedal to the metal and, you know, all these expectations that kind of come along with it. It's completely different. And so he talked about Losing one, you can bounce back from that, and you don't necessarily maybe learn as much as you think. You learn a lot. And we've seen these teams really come together, Coach Riley's teams come together after losses. But he talked about how big it would be for these young guys to lose two mm. and how bad it hurts and, and what it took to finish out games and all the kinds of things that you learn that you might not learn from just losing one. So I think, yeah, it's you're talking about a team that grew a lot and had to figure out a lot and look how they were playing at the end of the season and the way they came together and, you know, figured out how to win and the defense. And yeah, I just, I think it, they're bought into coach Grinch and he's got some guys coming in that are studs. I mean, you, you told me to mention one, but I think all the freshmen coming in, they're really, really excited about, I mean, did a signing day, um, you know, the signing day ceremony thing or whatever the, with the, uh, Barstio or the Sooner Club, that's what it is, Sooner Club, we had like a, a cool virtual event and had a lot of the recruits come on and Coach Odom, Brian Odom was just going on and on and on about Danny Stutzman and how he could be, you know, potentially one of the next great inside linebackers. But a lot of times that kind of takes some time to develop. But I think a lot of the young defensive backs that are coming in in this class are going to be able to provide immediate depth. And I think that was key this year that we saw and the reason why they were able to improve so much is the depth. 
in that and, you know, running in so many different guys. So I think that's, you know, more than maybe one or two players. It's it's just getting as a whole more bodies, more numbers that can you're, – you're going in, you're sending in guys, and you're not dropping off any. And that's kind of what Coach Grinch has talked about is being able to, you know, sub guys in and, and you're not missing a beat. And being able to run a lot of guys in there on the defensive line, keeping guys fresh and – um, you know, being able to throw different looks at people and um, whatnot. So I think that's kind of the big thing is just the depth that they're being able to build, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yep. And it's interesting, you know, of the of the guys, and we certainly had talented individuals leave from last year's roster, but they weren't necessarily in positions that are absolutely going to hurt to not have this year. And I think that's that's really important to kind of build what you see and the, the, let's be honest, the target's always Alabama. They lose talented players every single year. But that depth, what you were referring to, coming back and, and, and keeping that pipeline alive is, is really the big key in maintaining that national title success. And I think we've probably been thin on that a little bit. I think our starters for starters most years and year out probably compete for national championship. It's been that significant depth, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that I think is we're really starting to see improve. And it keeps those starters uh, fresh and healthy throughout the year, which is the most important thing of all. So I uh, want to transition to a little more of a fun topic, something we've been doing the past couple weeks. Um, the Mount Rushmore and our topic uh, this evening will be Norman Eateries. I thought this would be really okay. fun. Um, we all know Norman very well. I'm excited to see our different takes on how we rank these. Um, basically, we're going to go in snake order. So I actually think, you know, we're going to let you go number one, Jessica. I think that's the worst position to possibly have because you, you have to go. Welcome to the show. <laughs> we're we're going <laughs> to easy into this. But you have the number one overall pick. So give us who you got number one and, and a short reason why you got them at uh, your top spot. Okay, listen. First of all, you gotta gotta know something about me. I do not eat red meat. I don't really eat meat much at all. Um, we'll do some fish every now and again. So that kind of right off the bat kind of will give you a little insight into why I pick what I pick. Um, I also am one where I get I find a restaurant and I get the same thing every single time. I don't <laughs> branch out. So these are basically when I'm telling you what my favorite restaurant is. It's basically going off of one dish, right? Okay. So. Um, so you got to add the dish now, though. We got to know what you're yeah, ordering. This is hard because <laughs> I have about three different places. But um, let's see. I guess let me. I'll start with Blackbird and their veggie pot pie. It is unbelievable. I'm a big pot pie fan. So, and uh, it's just kind of different. Something different that. And I figured. Um, I can start with that and see where you guys go from there. There you go. Okay. That's one of the most underrated places in Norman. I can remember back in my time in school, Jack's was the was the bar that was connected right to and it. Bootleggers. So, and bootleggers. Yeah. 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 So, it's uh, about eight different things, I think. But. So, but it's, yeah, it's, it's the Blackbird is fantastic. It's better for everybody that just became one place. <laughs> yeah. Um, sure. All right. I got second pick here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very much the same. I'm very torn on this because this restaurant, I actually don't really like the food all that much. But if you're from Norman or you've been in Norman for a while, it's a place you got to go. And that's the Mont. It's very easy. Yeah. You go there for appetizers only. If, and the swirls. And the swirls. Yes, of course. Uh, that was a given. I didn't think I need that to be said. Uh, but, but yeah. I thought you were going to say that was your like the main dish that you went for. Is the it's, it's apps and swirls. I mean, anything <laughs> on the menu that I've had that's like legit food, it's just been like, it's been okay. It's not bad, but like 
not going there for like a you know a three course meal by any means but the environment all the you know records on the the, the upper walls of past ou uh teams there's nothing quite like it so yeah the mont's got to be my my number one the mont's a really solid choice when it comes to drink menus there's probably not a better spot in norman because of that um going into picks three and four for me i'm actually really excited because both my top picks are still available right now so number three for me uh, I'm an Oklahoma kid, but I grew up in Texas, so I'm a huge Mexican food guy. So coming back up here to Norman, that was kind of one of the first places that I wanted to find out about. And coming across Tara Mahara's was absolutely fantastic. It's probably my favorite place to eat, definitely the best Mexican food, in my opinion, in Norman right now. <laughs> um, so let me go with Tara Mahara's. It's Corbin shakes his head right now. Nope. Yeah. I'm a big Mexican food fan, too. I don't know if this counts, but and I don't even know if it's my turn, but Lazy Donkey <laughs> and more, by the way, is really good as well. But I don't know if that counts because if it's not in Norman. so But Tara Mahara's would have been one of my choices, too. So there See, you go. I, I am going to lose followers, and we may end the podcast because of this, but I have always thought Tara Mahara's was, was overrated. I'm sorry. Uh, that's just personal opinion. But we can argue that another time. Tyler, your second option? Second choice? Second choice for me going back to back here. Um, this one's kind of tough just because I think that you guys are going to take a couple of the other really good ones. But for me, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to go with Midway Deli. Uh, the Vulcan, oh, the Vulcan is yeah. uh, probably my favorite lunch spot, uh, favorite sandwich to get uh, on, on an afternoon. So uh, OU fans out there, students, you you know it by now if you're, if you're here in Norman. So Midway Deli, uh, number two pick for me. Uh, right here. So I had four first round picks and they're all still there. So this is actually pretty difficult. Um, I'm going to do, I'm going to go Aussies for my second round pick. Uh, Buffet breakfast, hard to go wrong. And it kind of became a tradition there for a while to post up at Aussies on uh, Sunday mornings after game day. So that's got a little uh, historical value to me. Um, Sticking with the sandwich theme, I'm going with bison, which is love their um, they've got a trio, which is unbelievable. So much bang for your buck. They've got where you can do a bread bowl, a half sandwich and you get a side. Love their pasta salad. This is one where it's not just one um, one, I guess, course, one meal that I like because I like a lot of their stuff. I like their soups. Um, I like their uh, grilled cheese sandwich, their veggie sandwich, their cookies, uh, like literally everything. I love bites. I'm a sandwich person. If I had to pick one meal, it'd probably be a sandwich. So love me some bites sandwiches. I like and it. they got some like fun karaoke nights. They've got some fun specials throughout the week as well. Uh, awesome. Jessica, back to you. Oh, man. This one is really, really hard for me because <laughs> I don't know where to go here. Um uh, probably, I'm just going to stick with Red Rock. I know, like, they have a salad that I freaking love, but I used to work at Red Rock up at the lake, and there's so many. I love their carrots. I love their mashed potatoes, so I got to go with Red Rock. That's Solid a, choice. That's a great choice. As I, you know, got out of undergrad, that became a much more appropriate spot <laughs> to, to find <laughs> me at. Uh, that's a great option. Um... I'm going to go Benvenuti's for my three. It was a rare occasion getting to swing by Benvenuti's, but one of those perks I was telling you about of working men's basketball, Benvenuti's was actually one of our uh, pretty common like pregame meals. And so to, to just to like have that 
as often as I did. I'm very fortunate, but you know, there's not uh, not many better places in Norman to go for some good food. You're gonna pay for it, but it's a, it's a treat. Yes, absolutely. Well, ba- back to me here. My third pick. I'm gonna go. Uh, well, I guess I guess uh, going back to back here. I- I'm a huge brunch guy. Um, one, one of my favorite things to do, church on, on Sunday, go to brunch afterwards. So I'm going to go Neighborhood Jam uh, with the third one. pick here. Solid. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and then to round it out for number four, uh, I'm going to go – I want to stay on Campus Corner, but I'm going to venture out a little bit. I'm going to go with Ray's Barbecue uh, for number, number four for me. Fantastic food. If you're an OU fan, there's all sorts of memorabilia, photos all over the wall. A uh, good place to enjoy a meal and kind of ch- uh, check out some of the OU history uh, hanging up. So, uh, yeah, give me Ray's Barbecue for number four. All right, last pick for me. Um, surprisingly, most of my options still on the table here. Um, I'm going to go with the garage as my last pick. Uh, I think the the Egginator with buffalo meat is one of my favorite burgers in Norman. Uh, and as you mentioned about Bison, which is Jessica, they've got a great – I think they do bingo night at the garage or karaoke night, maybe both. I know they got some theme nights that are a lot of fun, so I'm going garage with my final pick. All right, listen. Um, I work a lot of times really late at night, and there aren't a lot of places that you can go get food late at night, so I got to get with Pizza Shuttle. Um, <laughs> yes. Because you can get pizza, which I love their pizza, actually, and then also they have another sandwich that I like as well. Their veggie stuff is amazing, too, but um, simply because they um, – are open at all times but right there with it classic 50s also i like their grilled cheese and onion rings yep what were some of the others maybe you had on the the list that we'll call them honorable mentions well i'm with you i'm um i like tara's but i like i said i I like lazy donkey there are other places that i like better um but i like pepe delgado's on campus corner as well um and honestly pub w and the winston cool spots as well and they've got a couple of food items that I really like. Yep. Uh, for me, a couple honorable mentions. One is this Chewy's for sure. Um, I remember working in marketing. We did a, a giveaway where I think it was like if softball hit a home run, like everybody in the stadium got like a free queso card, which we gave out a lot of obviously. <laughs> um, but I remember taking so many of those and I literally last month just got a new car and the amount of Chewy's free queso coupons that were in my glove compartment was actually slightly embarrassing. Uh, so I can't not have them on the list. Uh, and then a little trip down memory lane. I it's not there anymore. Rest in peace, Victorious. Uh, yes. College college date night. You just had to go. That's where you take everybody. Um, so yeah, I had to give a shout out to Victorious. But Tyler, any that we missed? Uh, I only had two on the honorable mention for me. Jessica took my first one. The Winston, fantastic place, uh, really cool atmosphere. Like the drinks there, and also. Honorable mention for me, I'm surprised neither one of you said it, uh, Tea Cafe. Ooh. Uh, I, I like that yeah. kind of food. Um, it, it's, it's fantastic. Ask, uh, ask Kyler Murray and those offensive linemen uh, <laughs> about, about Tea Cafe. A great spot. Yep. I had Penny Hill as well. Penny Hill's Bingo Night's great. Uh, so that, yep. one, yeah. that one's yep. on there as well. But all right, we'll wrap it up. Jessica, we appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. We had a great time. You were a professional in every way, shape, or form. So we really appreciate you taking a part of your Monday night. I think it's Monday night uh, to chat with us. I know everybody can follow you at, at Jessica Cootie uh, on Twitter. Where can we see you next? What's the segment coming out soon? Where are you on broadcast? Where can we keep an eye out? Oh, man, uh, let me think. Uh, I'm on Spotlight this week, uh, Sooner Sports Spotlight. I do a monthly show that we've added just this year with all of uh, the 
COVID and whatnot so that we could add a, a show for, for Fox to air features, which is just kind of a, a re-air some of my features for the month. Um, that will be coming up as well. I'm on the next three women's basketball home games to close out the season as well. And actually, I'm filling in for Toby on a Sooner Sports Talk in the huddle this week. So nice. that will be fun as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, all kinds of stuff in the works now that we're getting it underway with baseball and softball got some fun features coming up with them as well so yeah uh uh just uh Tudor Sports TV. Just keep it locked <laughs> Just there. follow you, and they're going to stumble across you in some way, shape, or form. And so. there's only one Jessica Goody, so in literally everything, it's Jessica Goody. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. There well, we go. Uh, we'll be excited to have you on again. Uh, hopefully, once we get a little bit closer to football season, we'd love to have you on. But thanks so much yeah, for spending for sure. the night with us, and uh, we appreciate everything. Thanks for having me on, guys. Have a good one. Guys, uh, I thought that interview was was fantastic. Um, we couldn't be more appreciative of Jessica taking the time to chat with us. Um, I thought it was great how much insight she gave to some of the behind the scenes of what all she takes care of in OU Athletics. I know all of us have crossed paths with her or know her well with with our time in Norman. Uh, I thought that would be great for people who maybe you know aren't as familiar with ins and outs of the athletic pro- uh, department there to get a sneak peek. But gosh, she's a, she's a pro's pro, um, and, and Norman and OU Athletics are are super blessed to have her on on the staff there in, in Sooner Sports. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it was great to have her on and. Um, I thought she provided some really great insight into a lot of different areas. I think it was really cool, especially to hear her talk more in depth on the uh, just the OU basketball over the past couple of years. And I think what it made me really realize was how undervalued Isaiah Cousins was uh, during his time here in Norman. He really was overshadowed by by Buddy Heald and had a very different playing style than Buddy. So um, he didn't get nearly as much credit as he deserved. So. I thought there was some great insight there. I think that my my favorite thing that I took away from it was just hearing about all the prep work that goes on behind the scenes, like how hard, you know, she she works with, you know, not, not just, you know, um, planning and and writing and, you know, preparing for certain segments, but also the work that she does as a producer um, all the way from the idea stage, all the way to the finished product, whenever, whenever she's either in front of the microphone or she's got a camera on her. So kind of hearing some of the ins and outs, how much prep work goes into all the many different things that, that she and Chris and, and Toby do uh, for Sooner Sports and, and OU Athletics. That was something that was fantastic to kind of hear more about. And, and honestly, you know, more for me, something that we get so used to, I think, is, you know, seeing the finished product on the court with all these all these different teams or all these different reporters, you know, you know, giving updates from the sideline or the, uh, you know, from the baseline. But just hearing about, you know, some of the things that, you know, goes unsaid or something that you wouldn't typically know about, like the Isaiah Cousins story, Corbin, that you two talked about, where, you know, he he slept in the locker room for two weeks. He was in the middle of probably one of the worst shooting slumps of his career stayed up at the LNC for two weeks, shot his way out of it. And then, you know, sports provides fantastic stories, ends up hitting the game, uh, the game winner down at LSU uh, a few days shortly after that. So um, the, the feature stories also that she kind of talked about, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the story that everybody's familiar with, with Kenneth Murray and his family, or some of the things that Maggie Nichols went through, or, you know, like a Sidney Romero or a Maddie Manning type thing. Some of the feature stories, I kind of call her the, the Tom Rinaldi of OU athletics, because she does kind of dive into it a little bit in a little bit more depth with who these, with who these athletes are as people and not just what we see on the field or on the court. Uh, every season coach. So kind of hearing a little bit more about how in depth she dives into it with each of these athletes, builds those relationships. And ultimately it leads to great content for us as fans, because we tend to find out more about 
um, who these student athletes are on and off the field. Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, diving into the Isaiah conversation, I mean, talk about some flashbacks for me, I'll be honest. Um, you know, a lot of memories and a lot of time spent with that team throughout a couple of years, and I was fortunate to do so. But it was a great member. I, I remember hopping off that pod, and I, I just was thinking about the chemistry of that team. Um, everybody had a specific role on and off the court. Um, and I remember transitioning and watching the team dynamic from – from that senior year with, with Buddy and Ryan Isaiah kind of transitioning to, to when they left. And to be honest, guys, we, we probably brought in more talent uh, from a younger guy's perspective after after they had left, but but the chemistry was gone and, and, and the roles were gone and everything was a little bit more murky as far as, you know, what everybody was bringing to the table. And I think that was a, it was a great flashback reminder for me of just how, how many things had to fall into place just right to have a special team, especially in a, in a, a non-basketball school like OU. Yes, we've got tradition there, but we're not a basketball school. So, yeah, that was just a great reminder as far as, um, you know, how some of these things have to come together to create some some pretty special years and, and seasons and, uh, and memories for sure. I think a couple other things that I took away from it, you know, Corbin, you let off with the question, you know, talking about how it was such an historic moment for her to be, you know, being the first women's play-by-play caller in an OU men's basketball game and kind of paving the way, you know, for, for OU athletics as a whole for, you know, maybe women, you know, maybe, you know, are, are in high school or, or growing up or in college right now that dream about, you know, someday being on TV, being on, you know, being in front of the camera, commentating on all these various sports. She's paving the way for that right here in Norman. So it was kind of fun uh, and exciting to see her kind of light up and see how excited she got in talking about the impact that that's had. Um, on her and OU athletics as a whole. So re- really excited to see about what, what's going to you know, be next for Jessica moving forward. I know that we're all three of us, we're going to be tuned into it uh, and following her as you know, all the various sports you know, continue uh, as the years go on. And secondly, for me, guys, as, as, as you know, diehard OU football fans, you know, we've, we've all been talking about the expectations for 2021 and how I think as a fan base, everybody has had this year circled. We know the talent that's coming back. Expectations are at all-time high. But when we asked her about the expectations from, you know, getting her opinion as somebody that's around the program, that's around these coaches and players, the, the expectations inside the Switzer Center up there at Owen Field the, the expectations are at an all-time high for this team, too. They know how good they are. They know how good they can be, and they know that 2021 has a chance to be, you know, a pretty pretty special season. So um, it, it was fun to kind of get her take on that and hearing about some of the uh, – a couple of the other guys that the coaches have already been talking about. You're starting to hear rumblings about uh, as far as guys that are making an impact, especially the freshmen. We all know who's coming back, you know, some of the – you know, returning starters and some of the deep, you know, two deep players, but hearing some of those you know, freshmen that are already making a name for themselves, like a Clayton Smith or a Mario Williams. She talked about, you know, Alex Grinch raving about Danny Stutzman, who's not even on campus yet, but what he's doing in the weight room and, and the film uh, from his high school days. So definitely a lot to be excited about and hearing her kind of echo what we've been saying and the fan base has been saying as a whole over the course of the last, you know, two months. Um, I, I cannot wait for football season this fall. Cannot wait. Yeah, I think we're all in that same boat. Perfect. Well, Adam, you're we, we kind of tasked you since you weren't able to join us. You've got the biggest job of all right now. We talked about the Mount Rushmore topic that we had uh, Jessica being a part of, uh, and that was the Mount Rushmore of Norman Eateries. So 
In my opinion, I think it's pretty clear and concise who the winner is, but let's turn it over to you if you want to kind of run down uh, what everybody's selections were and give us your pick. So let's well, take it away, dude. Before I start jumping into what you guys picked, I want to just throw out a few shout outs to some of what I would have called my honorable mentions um, that weren't mentioned by any of you guys. So uh, the meeting place, Tino's, uh, great uh, you know downtown eateries there in Norman, uh, LR2, Landrun2. I kind of jo- jokingly say that, but that's a fun place to hang out. Uh, Scratch Kitchen. Uh, did not hear that one mentioned. I'm a little bit surprised there. And then one that I'm not the biggest fan of, but I know other people in Norman really are. It's it's far up on the northwest side is El Toro Chino, which is uh, Latin Asian fusion. So I, I'm I was kind of a little surprised that some of those weren't mentioned. But um, you guys gave me a pretty tough one, uh, Corbin. I love the first pick with the Mont. Uh, agree with everything you say there. Just go for the apps and the swirls. Um, but then after that, it it your team kind of derailed a little bit. Aussie's Diner. Uh, and Benvenuti's. I've never had the opportunity to actually go to either of those. I didn't want to just <laughs> throw that to the side because I haven't been there though. I've heard great things about Benvenuti's. Their uh, food looks amazing. I bet I would love it. So I won't, won't knock that. Ozzy's diner though is permanently closed and has been for a little <laughs> over a year. So um, I'm sure it was great uh, when it was still around. And then the garage I, I like the garage. I don't know if I should take points away though, because it is very much a chain, even though it's really just in the Oklahoma city area. So I'm going to have to place you in third place, Corbin, a uh, great wow. first pick, but otherwise, um, wow. and I, I certainly wouldn't turn any of those places down. It's just, it's not as strong as some of the others. I want to well. stick up. I want to stick up for Corbin real quick though. I know the Aussies is closed right now, but back in its heyday, the $5 all-you-can-eat breakfast, especially on the weekend, whereas college kids, you know, kind of go out on Friday and Saturday nights, you know, maybe have a little too much fun. Being able to go to Aussies and pay 5 bucks to eat all you – to have all-you-can-eat breakfast may not have been the greatest food in the world, but, I mean, 5 bucks as a college kid for all-you-can-eat, that's pr- pretty damn good. So I'll uh, – I-, I like that pick, Corbin. I had forgotten they had closed. I mean, talk about like, I know I've been gone for a year, but that shouldn't have escaped my mind until you mentioned that I had completely forgot that they shut down. Yeah. And I was a little surprised that Tyler and Jessica didn't call you out on that. But, um, but that leads me to, you know, Jessica and Tyler, who I'm to this very moment, I have not picked a winner yet uh, because I like certain things on both of them. Uh, for Jessica, Blackbird, I agree. One of the most underrated places in Norman. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, Red Rock, I, I love. Uh, great spot. A little bit of a chain there, so I don't know if I should dock points there either. Pizza Shuttle, um, I don't know. I could take it or leave it. I think it's I think it's fine pizza. Uh, I don't hate on it. Um, I, I think it's good. Bison Witches, I had never actually heard of before she mentioned, and I can't believe I haven't because I've looked it up. It looks amazing. The potato soup bread bowls uh, look awesome. So that's going to be probably the first place I go back and try next time I'm in Norman. Um, but uh, look great. Tyler, you're the only team that I've, I've eaten at every place on the list. No so, judge. So that <laughs> that's going to help you there. I love the neighborhood jam pick. Uh, Ray's Barbecue continues to grow on me and i think it's pretty solid i love that it's in an old pizza hut how can you not like that um but your first two picks 
we're basically like picking Andrew Wiggins uh, first overall. I mean, Tara Maharas and Midway Deli are probably the two most overrated Norman eateries out there. You bite your tongue <laughs> right Not now. Word. <laughs> Tara Maharas is, I mean, the food's fine. Uh, it's not bad, um, but people love it so much because it's fast and pretty much any hole in the wall Mexican restaurant is going to be fast. So there's, to me, there's a lot better uh, Mexican eateries out there. Midway Deli, it's cool because it's in a very unique spot and the sandwiches are, are solid, but they're, in my opinion, they're overpriced. You're going to get absolutely <laughs> roasted when we put this out on Twitter. Just, just <laughs> I might, that. I might, I have strong opinions though, but and what's the, um, what's the problem with Midway Deli? We, we've I, been there. I, we've been there a dozen times. I think it's fine. I mean, I, I just don't think it's like amazing. If you picked it like fourth, I would have been, I would have been a, feeling a lot better about it. Well, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not a five-star dining experience, but when you think of Norman, Oklahoma, I mean, you know, Midway Deli, that's kind of a staple. I mean, Hell, Barry Switzer eats there three times a week. So, I mean, how can you not? How can you not think the Midway Deli and the Vulcan of all sandwiches too? Probably, you know, Corbin shaking his head over there. Midway Deli, Tara Maharas, come on. Listen, you can't throw in a five star dining because I did, and Adam hasn't been there, so that doesn't help your case whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tyler, uh, you're really hurting yourself uh, by uh, by attacking the judge. So I am going to have to award this one to Jessica. Uh, I mean, she was our guest, and I, I like all of her picks. Um, I don't have any huge problems with any of them. Whereas with yours, I think you you highly overrated a few of them. But Adam is Adam is Bison, which very is close. good. <laughs> well, I I don't want to just dox dox someone simply because i've never been to a place i want to kind of give it some fairness it's what you did to me <laughs> not necessarily i mean i just i just think i think jessica and tyler's lineups were stronger because of 50 percent of places you haven't, <laughs> haven't been to <laughs> all in favor of voting adam never judge again <laughs> i <laughs> Well, well, we'll let Twitter decide. How about that? All right. Well, c- congratulations, Jessica. Uh, you are the uh, the winner off the podcast. We'll obviously see what what Twitter has has to say about it. But uh, again, special special shout out and thank you to to Jessica Cootie for taking the time uh, to join us to talk some ball, talk about her role and all the many different things that she does uh, in her role uh, and job with OU Athletics and Sooner Sports TV. So, guys, anything else before we get out of here? It's March, baby. Next time we're talking, it's going to be March. Yeah, be it's madness. Absolutely. Well, again, appreciate you guys for joining us. Uh, and as always, you can find all of our stuff on Apple, Spotify. Go subscribe, like, give us a five-star review. Uh, send us some messages. Tell us who you would like to see uh, be a feature guest on the podcast because we're going to start We're going to start having more and more guests uh, on the podcast, especially as we roll into the offseason, get closer to closer uh, to the OU 2021 football season. We're all excited about it. We're going to be trying to provide you guys with uh, as much new and, uh, and entertaining content as possible. So for Corbin, for Adam, Tyler Burton, appreciate you guys for joining us, and we will see you right back here next week on another episode of the Mainline Podcast. 